Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody, Mark and Steve on the PBSE podcast. We received a reach out uh, in the last few days from one of our listeners in, she describes sunny England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of an oxymoron. I know, I know. I'm sure she intended that. <laughs> and she said, I'm, message, I'm messaging you from sunny England about my husband who doesn't know if he's an addict or not. Uh, he's 42. I'm nearly 40. We have three children. We've been together for 20 years. His porn use has been an issue for over 15 years now. And so far, we've had more than a dozen discovery days, D-days. Your last podcast really resonated with me where the guy started by saying he had just been found out for the eighth time. It hit me hard that there have, after so many discoveries, still nothing for us has changed. My husband claims now to be porn-free for over a year. I have not found any evidence of his use, but his attitude is as bad as ever. Mm. He claims that now he hasn't used, now that he hasn't used for over a year, he must no longer be addicted. In fact, he doesn't know if he ever was. He is not in therapy. He is simply just not watching that stuff anymore. In your personal opinions, how long can someone realistically white knuckle? Years? Decades? He is the most stubborn person you will ever come across. I am constantly mm. waiting for the other shoe to drop and genuinely don't know where to turn at this point. Many thanks for all that you do for us betrayed wives. Well, it sounds like she's married to former versions of Mark and Steve. So <laughs> yes. can definitely definitely relate on the uh on the stubborn side of things. We, mm-hmm. we really appreciate the submission, uh, listener, and really do empathize with you. I I I said this to a client the other day in my practice and say it here again. You know, I don't give out medals at Ascension Counseling. We don't give out PBSE medals, but if we did. We'd be giving you whatever the English equivalent of the Purple Heart is, um, because that's a lot to stay through. That's a lot to to fight through, and you know, so many discoveries over so much time, 
uh, that it takes a lot of work and a lot of patience to even get to this point. So yeah, uh, really, really honor that and the pain that you're in. And, um, and, and also a lot of those can connect with on the addict side, you know, a lot of those, uh, traits that you talked about, you know, make it really hard to, uh, live with this guy with, um, you know, it's, it's, we get questions like this, this often. And this question, so I guess maybe we start right. Um, this about this white knuckling piece. We'll just kind of answer that right out the gate. I, and I'll open that up with a story. I worked with a, a gentleman years and years ago, um, who actually his, you know, every addict has what we call an addiction cycle, right? And they all look unique and different. Um, but his was definitely more outside the norm, although it wasn't the first time or the last, I'm sure that I've seen this. Uh, he would act out at the most only once a year. And oftentimes it was less than that. Um, his acting out was in this particular case was reserved exclusively for business trips. Mm. Um, I was telling Mark beforehand, I really don't have a better way to put it. He he really, in many ways was sort of like the sexual sex addict equivalent of like, a, like a camel. Like he would go and he would act out uh, on these business trips and the acting out cycle was greatly slowed down for him. So even though the physical acting out would be once a year at the most, because he was responsible for planning his own business trips, he would actually plan these things out for months in advance. And so if we look at kind of our addiction yeah. cycle, like our four steps. Yeah. So was the addiction cycle really once a year? Yeah. He's, no. he's just kind of moving through it in very yeah. slow motion. Pre-contemplation, right? pre fantasizing Correct. in his head about what it's going to be like. For months, right. he would, he would get online and he would look at, you know, like where, where's the seediest hotel in town and, which bars and strip clubs and stuff are close to, and, you know, and all these different wow. things. And yeah. This was a, yeah, that's an elongated cycle. Yes. And then he would enter the acting out phase while he was gone and just completely binge and indulge in a variety of very sad ways. Mm. And then afterwards he would enter that kind of dormant period and kind of begin that over again. So the camel living off of the 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 water in the hump, so to speak. Yes. Until exactly. the next the next annual event. You would kind of draw on that internally, right? The fantasy and the recounting, the euphoric recall, right? All yep. of those things until next time when you know a couple of months out, he'd start planning again. I and can so, tell you as an addict in recovery, what you describe, I could uh, I could absolutely tell you that I could live off the the you know lust water or fantasy water in that camel's hump on my back i could do that for a year for sure yeah right the the, the euphoric after call you know dr thinking about it and basking in it for months and months after and then going into the planning the next one phase for months mm -hmm. and months yes. yeah well it's a great yeah. great example so it's definitely possible you know going months years or even decades that i have heard of and i know mark has as well we've heard of cases of all of those being in theory the case but I think that kind of shifts us to where we can help you best today. And hopefully our other listeners as well, all over the, we've got listeners now in 141 countries, I was just told. Yeah. We're, crazy, crazy. We're stuff. all over the place, which we yeah. really appreciate and love that we're, we're reaching out. Well, to so and, let's, many. and let's say something right up front right now. We don't know that this guy's gone a year. Sure. She, she doesn't either. Absolutely. He, he may well be in, in <clears throat> stealth mode, you know, secrecy mode. Just kind but, of a best case scenario. Yeah, best case. But here's the point. <clears throat> it's sobriety is not recovery. Mm -hmm. And if if this guy mm -hmm. is truly gone a year without, without you know, quote, without looking, but he's still a rotten SOB, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> it's like we have a problem. And that's that's where we really want to focus on this is, yeah, I can quit looking. But man, if I'm like the biggest jerk ever to my wife, let's get to what you know, the porn's a symptom. Let's get under the surface and see what this is really about. <laughs> I know Steve, Steve's laughing right now because <laughs> I was so blunt. Oh, uh, we uh, we don't we don't do PC here on the PBS podcast. <laughs> I've I've rubbed off. I, you can blame me. I, I've rubbed off on Mark that way. Well, and the, and and here's and even if <clears throat> even if this man is listening, I say that with the greatest love, brother, because you're ta- you're you're hearing a guy a guy. I'm saying that because that was me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sober. I'm not looking and I can, I can go to my wife and give her my stellar report card, but, but I'm a jackass when it comes to our relationship, but Hey, I'm sober. <laughs> She's and, and here yeah. I'm going to say, this might sound funny. There've been times where she would say, will you please just go look at porn? Cause I look, cause you were actually a better person when you were looking. That is so crazy. I heard the same thing from my wife once as well. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's so true. Right. Because we were at least then we were numbing out and medicating us on withdrawals, right? It was so much, yep, so much worse. And no, I I appreciate that. And yeah, Mark Mark made me chuckle, but I <laughs> we we can just we we chuckle because we really just can, you know. You guys know those who've been listening, we we can relate on a level many can't. So um, no, it, it's it's all very very true. That that internal, you know, this this we talk all the time on this podcast about addiction being the symptom, right? It's just one external symptom of many of these dysfunctional attempts that we have to live life on life's terms as most 12 step groups describe it. Right. We're trying to cope with life and, and numb out cope compensate. I mean, lots of things, but at the end of the day, it really in most cases is just an outgrowth more than it is anything else of other stuff. And, and here we are, you know, if, if, if in fact this guy is, you know, sober this long and has been um, that, that, that is wonderful. But, you know, Mark and I, we talk about this oftentimes. I, I have heard from wife after wife after wife after wife over the years behind closed doors um, where they have all said something very similar. You know, Steve, the, the acting out obviously hurts our marriage, right? It hurts, hurts connection, hurts the relationship, makes it hard to be together. You know, it's very traumatizing. It's all those things. And, it's, and they will be quick to say, Don't, I'm not meaning to minimize it, but it's all this other stuff right? It's the lying. It's the deception. It's the snarky comments and the emotional neediness and moodiness, right? Those are the things that we see time and again. Wives will say that is going to end this marriage quicker than his acting out will, honestly, right? That's the stuff that's really threatening the marriage now. Like obviously the other stuff I hate and it's horrible, but it's kind of to your point, Mark, right? So there are a lot of Many spouses, I'm sure, internally have said that, if not externally, like, geez, maybe we should just go back to acting out like this was not nearly as bad or, you know, whatever. And so um, there, there, we say that kind of as an interjection as we kind of get to the meat of this here about, you know, your question, you know, listener of what to do. Um, I, I think that right now, I mean, you've obviously, like many wives, right, been asking that question or framing it in your mind of, you know, I'm staying in this marriage, looking at this through a lens of, you know, asking questions around the sobriety piece, which in and of itself is not bad, right? Should I stay or should I go? What does that look like from a lens of, is he sober? Is he not? Which, and again, that's a different approach for everybody, but that's a, and that's a relevant question to ask. 
but it does sound like from the little, you know, the brief email we got that there needs to be some shoring up examination of, and maybe just some re-establishment or re-establishment of boundaries about asking that question of, can I stay or should I stay from the lens of not just the sobriety, but looking at this through the lens of these other character defects as being just as threatening to the marriage as the acting out piece. Yeah. Right? Cause there's some really important factors going on here, which she says he's not in therapy. Yes. Right. So it sounds like he's really not made much or any efforts with regard to formal recovery, right. Coming at yes. it in a, in a, uh, you know, logical planned out step-by-step process. He's not done that. And so, and then she says, he's the most stubborn person you'll ever come across. I mean, that's a window that if we could look through it, we'd see all kinds of things going on in that relationship. Absolutely. And if by chance he would listen to this and, and any other guys listening who may be in a similar place, I want to come at this from a positive standpoint. If indeed he has been sober for a year, Dude, this is your opportunity now. If you've, if you've been sober for a year and you've got some clear thinking going on as a result, you've kind of got a handle on who you are a little bit. This is your chance now to, to plow through that symptom and get to the deeper issues, right? Mm. Peel back the layers and start working on yourself. All of the yeah. character defects, because I hear in what she's describing, a lack of empathy. I hear lots of thinking errors on his part. <clears throat> rationalization, justification, minimization, right? Uh, a lack of accountability. I hear deception, right? Uh, more than a dozen times she had to discover what was going on. I don't hear that he's very proactive and he's not very good at leading out, right? All of these things are things that I would hope that now that he's sober, he'd be willing to look at, do I want to build a better man? Mm. Do I want to build a better me? man, if there was ever a time where you had an opportunity to do that, if you've got a year of sobriety, now is the time. Absolutely. No, I love that thought. And it is so true. And, you know, as far as this, this wife goes, obviously there are some difficult questions ahead, right? Um, because in, unless we make some significant changes here, really where the rubber meets the road, I think with this, and only you can answer this, right? I, I'll be the first to tell you here being in the States, I'm not well acquainted with everything from divorce you know, laws and how that plays out in, in, in Europe or, or in England, uh, nor am I acquainted with, you know, child support and how that works or, or any of those things. And when it comes to, you know, asking those really hard questions of, should I stay in a marriage? Should I go? Should I, you, all of those things realistically have to be taken into account. And if, you know, yeah, because we would, we would never sit here and no, make no. really arm, you know, our comfortable little armchair in front of the <laughs> microphone and tell you what you should or shouldn't do, especially that you say you've got three kids involved. This is really complex. It is. It is. But I think it would be this. This is a particular case where really we would recommend getting a really good therapist who's acquainted with those kinds of issues, as well as the sexual addiction piece. Get somebody on board if you have not already, just for you, even if your husband's unwilling to go, so that you can get some feedback from an unbiased third party and really get a better grasp on how can I set and really look at kind of what I was saying before, right? Not just look at this through the lens of, well, should I stay or should I go? Is he sober or is he not? Because it sounds like you've been playing that game for quite a while. Again, it's a relevant question, but the others, the questions about these other attributes are just as valid. Right. Yes. Because they are just as important. Right. If if he is still, you know, to I'm taking Mark's quote. Right. If he's still <laughs> acting like a rotten SOB, 
right? <laughs> and and he's you know you know even if he is sober, those it's it, a wife has to sit back and I think ask themselves, okay, well he's sober, but is this still going to work? Yeah, right? if that if that's all that's changed, where are we? Yes, you know now exactly. now we get into the really hard part of this discussion, which. Please, everyone listening, we do not take this next part lightly. No, not at all. Now we get into this, this crazy place that we call boundaries because we have to say to this, to this gal that's written to us, so what now? Right? Yeah. We can talk about this all day long, but you're in the trenches of that marriage sitting there in England. What, what are you going to do on a day-to-day basis in the reality of your life? And the only thing that we know to say would be it's got to come back to boundaries. Mm-hmm. But now that's where it gets tough. What do those look like? What, what, what should the boundaries be? And more difficult is you, you should never use boundaries as a threat. Mm-hmm. If you're going to set boundaries, they need to be realistic and you need to be prepared for the hard part, which is enforcement of those yes. boundaries, consequences, outcomes. And you need to be prepared to literally be ready to bring those, those consequences into play. Mm-hmm. So Steve, as we look at it from that vantage point and we look at this gal, you know, just crazy resilience, courage, amazing staying power, what do boundaries realistically look like for somebody like this? Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, I believe if memory serves, we've done some past podcasts about our, what we call the circles approach to boundaries. The circles um, you, approach to boundaries. Yes. Yeah. And if and if you're looking for a diagram on that, you can Google that. There are, are some good ones out there. Uh, we don't have a way to transmit the exact one that that, like for example, I use in my practice, but um, but that would be a good place to start. And then you 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 really do, like I said, that's is where a, a good professional can come into play because you're going to have to really, it's going to come back to some good authentic self-worth or, or self self-work, right? And asking, asking yourself, you know, like really for me, if I'm true to myself, again, taking into all into account all these factors, where does the line draw for me? Mm. Because I will say this, every, every relationship, I don't care what it is. If it's healthy, it has boundaries and there are lines that cannot be crossed. Now, in many marriages where we don't deal with difficult things like addiction or betrayal, people don't think about it in this way because it's really kind of scary and not like typically a topic that would come up. But, you know, I always get really concerned when I meet with partners or, or addicts or whoever, when they, cause I've had some over the years who have said this, you know, I don't, I, there's no reason why I would ever leave. There's no reason why I would ever leave. If there's really no reason, mm-hmm. I would say there's something wrong there. Um, and now for everyone, that line is going to be different. Right. And there's there's others who realistically come to that discussion and say, you don't understand all of my extenuating circumstances, children and finances. Exactly. I can't can't leave. Yeah. It's not possible. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you've got to take all that into account. Right. But in concert with that, that's where you have to figure out where the line is for you Mm. so that you have a realistic place to operate from. Because I'm fearing that that maybe this is one of the biggest barriers for the spouse. I, Again, I'm trying to get inside this this listener's head a little bit. I almost can kind of picture and really empathize with her. You've probably been in this game of surviving for the sake of yourself and the kids and wanting to hold on to this dream for so long. I think for a lot of a lot of the spouses that I work with, uh, they are in a similar situation as you, where 
really from a survival place, we almost don't want to go there because it's just, we're trying to get through the day by day. Yeah. Don't we're, we, we've kind of got our system in place. It's not, it's in many ways, not enjoyable, not fun, but it sort of works. And if I disturb this with boundaries and I make waves, what's going to happen? Yes, exactly. And the thing is, is maybe that is the right call. But the problem without boundaries is that if you don't have boundaries in a relationship, you cannot have progression. At the end of the day, it is a disservice to both yourself. I'm going to say this lovingly. It's a disservice to both yourself and to your partner to not be having those or holding those or sharing them. Because that's how couples, couples rely on growth to thrive. Connection requires boundaries. Um, if we don't have boundaries in play, again, something is very wrong and we need to really examine that because no relationship should come with carte blanche authority for one partner or the other to do literally whatever they want and with no consequences and there not being any risk to the relationship. There, yeah, so, there, there should be lines. Steve, so as we finish up, Steve, um, maybe we could quickly state a couple of simple boundaries that come to mind. Yeah. Let's assume that this gal really is kind of trapped because of For the sure. economic situation, the kids, whatever she, she, she's got to stay in this relationship. How, can, what are some simple ways she can stick up for herself and draw that line in the sand with some boundaries? It's a great question. I, the first one that comes to me and I'd love, obviously I'd love to get Mark's input too, but the first one that comes to mind is that there needs to start to be, be some sort of measurable quantifiable effort on the part of this husband. Because the questions that we're looking at here go way beyond addiction, right? Even if there was no addiction, if we just took the pornography and the other stuff off the table, any relationship that is stuck in this mode where you can't move forward is in trouble. It, it really doesn't matter if the, you know, that's almost kind of an aside discussion. So there's got to, in other words, you know, Mark, a couple of weeks ago in our, in our Dare to Connect program that we have, you know, for addict spouses and couples that, you know, we meet three times a week in, we were, we were in one of our sessions and. Mark used the example of, you know, two oxen like pulling a wagon, right? In the long term, I don't care what the dynamic is. One oxen cannot pull the cart and the other ox forever. Right. Right. Yeah. Like at some point, if, if that, unless that dynamic is fixed, this marriage will end for some reason. And, and so that would, I would say at a baseline has to change. There has to be some, he has to be willing to reconsider a position or be willing to make some sort of progress, whether it's with therapy or working on anger issues or taking a class or listening to PBSE together is a really good way to do it. Or the dare to connect program. Again, we have a two week free trial on that. You can learn more about that at dare to connect now.com. A lot of couples are finding, I had a coupleship just tell me the other day, one thing that they love about dare to connect is that it opens up vulnerable discussions for them, but like kind of in a third party, less vulnerable way. Yeah. <laughs> Not as scary. Not as, <laughs> so it's not like they're tackling it one-on-one. Yeah. So that's a great way to look at that. Uh, please do give that a, a look. That's an option. But but whatever it is, there's got to be some sort of forward momentum. So I would say at a baseline that, that, she, that she sit down and figure out where a starting point that's realistic would be with that. And that they, that'd be part of the boundaries. Look, I need yep. you to start showing up in, honestly, at this point, any way, shape, or form, Right. Something that's going to give me hope that you value me, that you value the relationship, that you value my safety, and it needs, and then we need to start seeing some consistency, and it needs to happen in a way that doesn't require me dragging you through the gates of hell, right? In the process. right, reminding you, hounding you, nagging you, 
Correct. I need you to, in some small ways, to begin leading out. Yes. To be proactive. So I love that. The other side, Steve, that I would say is this, this also comes down to me for her boundaries is issues of, of basic respect. Mm-hmm. If he's crossing the boundary of respect, if he's not being polite, if he's lashing out in anger, if he's calling her names, if he's using profanity, if he's, if he's violating basic boundaries of relationship respect, that's where I would encourage her to begin setting those lines in the sand that you, if you cross this line, I will not interact with you. Mm-hmm. I will no longer be abused. Yeah, so basic respect boundaries have no, got to be that. put into place. For sure. No, and, and we really, again, empathize with this spouse and, and all you other spouses out there. We know many of you find yourself in similar positions. We appreciate uh, this listener being so vulnerable and, and opening up and our hearts go out to you. And uh, and, and one last thing I'm going to yeah. throw in this, this gal and all of you listening, please, please, please get an outside support system. Sure. It's where you don't have to rely upon your spouse for your, your worth and your stability and all of your emotional needs. Get, get, some, get a support system that is not that spouse that you can lean on and talk to and reach out to. Super important. And will give you feedback about your boundaries, even in a difficult situation that maybe you can't leave, that it's not possible. Others have been through that as well. So tap into that support system. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Love that. Again, guys, we so appreciate all of you and all of our listeners now again in 141 countries. What a what a cool thing. We love we love that uh, you're tuning in, that you're finding this helpful. As always, please send questions, comments, thoughts. We'd love to address these here on the PBSC podcast. You can send those through our contact form at pbscpodcast.com. And, and again, we are still offering a two-week trial. Uh, we've renewed kind of the at trial period for people who want to give our Dare to Connect program a try. You can learn more about that at daretoconnectnow.com. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll see you next time on PBSE. Have a great week, everybody. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.